welcome. Holy shit. You guys, I have missed you. This is Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure that we don't know everything. I am your host, Kelsey Dara, and oh my God, it has almost been exactly a year since I have been in your ears. So let's uh, address the elephant in the room. What the fuck happened to adult shit? I was in a very precarious position. Is that the right word? Precarious? Hmm. I was in a very peculiar position when the 30 episodes that we did last year ended. My co-host left. I was in a contract at BuzzFeed where I had the decision to renew it or leave and go part-time. I did decide to leave and go part-time so that I could go do other stuff, like I'm on a new e-show that you can watch on demand or on Hulu. Uh, I'm writing a book. Holy shit, spoiler alert. Uh, And we had the choice. If I left, I wasn't going to be able to take the intellectual property, as they call it in Hollywood, with me. And they ended up dissolving all of their podcast division. Anyway, so in a weird way, I think that this kind of was fate. So now you're probably wondering, what the fuck does confidently insecure mean? This podcast is all going to be about subjects that I know are important to our generation and our pop culture zeitgeist, but that I am not totally always comfortable with talking about. I want to have the hard conversations. I want to ask the awkward questions. I don't want to be afraid to mess up. I want this to be a safe space where anyone can come and learn. So each week you will have experts, friends, and hell, even maybe some enemies might stop by to uh, teach us a thing or two or to just give us a little behind the peak curtain at some of our favorite people. So I hope you guys will enjoy this pilot episode with one of the most interesting people that I know, Eugene Lee Yang. You know him as one of the Try Guys, but oh, is he so, so much more this episode we dive into tons of fun and juicy stuff like he decides which try guys are tops and bottoms we also dive into his sexuality and coming out for the internet and world to see and uh i basically hit on him for like an hour because he's just so hot and i love him so dearly we get into a little bit of social justice warrior and twitter culture it is a very fun episode and i'm so glad that he was my first guest Uh, I did interview him a couple weeks ago, so you're going to hear him talk about stuff that is now out on the internet for you guys to consume. All of those links will be in the description below. And hey, if you want to get some of your very own Confidently Insecure merch, that link will be in the description below as well. If you're listening to this on one of your favorite podcast platforms, you can always rate this in the iTunes store or leave a review. That's super helpful. Or if you're watching this, you, which I should say, you can, this isn't just a podcast. This is also a video. You can actually go to my YouTube channel.com slash Kelsey Dara and watch this whole thing. And don't forget while you're there, give it a thumbs up, like, subscribe, all of that promo-y bullshit. Now let's get to it. The very first episode of Confidently Insecure with Eugene Lee Yang. Guys, welcome back to Confidently Insecure. I am your host, Kelsey Dara, and if you haven't already guessed by the title, one of my favorite people slash alcoholics is in the room with me today. Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, and in between, we've got Eugene Liang. Hey, Kelsey. Hey, speaking of alcohol, I noticed that we don't have any alcohol here. We don't. You're the only one I I figured would... Wait, do you normally drink on this? Yes. 
Oh, none of the boys could well, it's perfect because I brought some whiskey. Oh my God, a boy after my own. Actually, it's bourbon, my favorite. I love bullet. Oh, and we got Try Guys mugs. Where can they get these? You can get these at www. You know, I'm not going to fucking say that. I hate self promoting. I know I'm supposed to, but do you do I fucking a lot hate of podcasts? it. I feel like the boys might not trust you on podcasts. You know, I've gotten, I've warmed up to it. Uh, podcasts seem to be really more in the realm of like, I guess, Zach's interests. He listens mm-hmm. to them quite frequently. I do too. Keith loves to talk, and Ned is just basically a dad. So, of course, they're in a podcast. Why are you so podcast adverse? Um, can I give you the, the real tea? I want the real hot steaming piping tea. It's because I have a shitty ass old car that doesn't have the correct connections to be able to listen <laughs> to anything from my phone. So That's I've never, tea. yeah, so I, I actually listen to a lot of NPR. So oh, okay. I'm built to listen to people talking. I've just haven't gotten into the, uh, the wave of podcast listeners. So I'm not in the, uh, I don't know. It makes not, you sound old, but you're not. You're yeah, like the hippest old. of them all. Yeah. Maybe it's cool that you're not into podcasts. Oh, fuck. You're like that guy that doesn't have an iPhone. Well, I'll get into your podcast. Oh. Um, I have to do the same thing with you that I did with the other guys. Mm-hmm. We start with a rapid fire round only because I want to get through all the shit that everyone wants me to ask you. Do you do your own makeup? Yeah. Yeah, it always looks great. Thank you. So I obviously tweeted out on Instagram that I was interviewing you guys. Everyone sent like the same 20 questions. So I just put those in rapid fire. Oh, shit. These are from audience members. All of you guys are answering the same ones. Oh, this is clever. Wow. So this is just like, let's get it out of the way because everyone's going to be like, why didn't you ask them this? And so let's just rapid fire these so we can get to the real good stuff. All right. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Ready? All right. Here we go. What is it like leaving BuzzFeed? Fantastic. What does it cost to start your own company? A shit ton. Who works the most? Depends. <laughs> the diapers, because babies shit a lot. Who works the least? Also depends. <laughs> Favorite video not out yet? Fuck me. Um, no. no, that's not a video. Uh, that would, would be a be. great you video, You guys would though. pay a lot for that Patreon. Favorite video not out yet. You know, we are doing um, something with car detailing, which I'm excited about. My mind just went to a very weird place. Wait, what um, were you thinking? No, like no. Pimp My Ride style. No, I I just saw dicks, exhaust pipes. I don't know why. Thing you would never try. Thing I would never try. That's... Like, I what guess wouldn't would... you do a video about? Oh, you know, we're all going to say the same answer, but anything that... Ooh, nice. Um, bourbon burp. A, a, burp, <laughs> a burp. Burp. A burp. <laughs> a burp. You know, we always say that we don't want to do anything that disrespects this particular community for the sake of laughing at them. You know, we're not the Paul brothers, so. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel cool whenever someone brings up like teen tween. You know, YouTube I don't know anything lingo. about most people, but I once I became more YouTubery uh, post yeah. BuzzFeed. You have to. It's I, part I, of your yeah. Job. And, you know, we have to have our finger on the pulse, which is both fortunate because you find out a lot of people are actually quite talented and mm-hmm. very intelligent and really just hard workers. And, and some people are not so much. I don't know. It's just I don't I don't respect that brand. Yeah. But, you know, you didn't hear from me. Actually, so you, you, did. you it, literally whatever. would try anything. I'll try anything. Heroin? Mm, I wouldn't try heroin. Okay. Um, but I would try to be a heroine. Oh, I like that. Yeah. How very like of the times that is of you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> who is your role model? Uh, Lucy Liu. <laughs> I love that. Uh, who is your best friend in the Try Guys? Oh, shit. You know what? I'm going to say myself. Okay. Who is your best friend <laughs> out of the Try Guys? Because they're all going to say Keith. They're all going to say Keith. Keith will even say, say himself. Yeah. I'm going to say myself because I just want to plan to okay. be a dick. Who is your best friend outside of the group? Um, I would say, fuck, do I have any other best friends anymore? 
You know what? That's my answer. Was, I don't have Jesus any friends. Jesus Christ. I don't think all of my old friends have been replaced by working with the Try Guys. I don't think I have any more friends. What about David? Oh, I do love David. You yeah. know David. David Dang David is the Dang uh, is stylist friend. extraordinaire. Yes, who we love I him. got everyone while working at BuzzFeed to get haircuts from him. So anyone you saw get a better mm-hmm. hairstyle at BuzzFeed was it's because David. of my friend David. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go with David. Um, who brainstorms the weirdest ideas? Probably Zach. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? Weird is a relative term. Fair. Zach brainstorms the dumbest ideas. <laughs> okay. Like, you know, remember his videos about like, I'm going to do a song about how I hate honeydew yeah and, and you know, it was great but weird but weird or like yeah. let's do a video about people eating their boogers i was in that video i don't want to talk about it i was an intern i felt like i had to yeah we sometimes like roll our eyes at him because but he's also has some of the best ideas so yeah. he kind of does more of the high low brow taste Teeters he line. loves fast and furious give that example so it's both the mixture of high and Why low culture. Why does that speak so much to someone's personality? Yeah, if it's they a good, like because uh, you they can argue it to a point where you're like, okay, I can see how that could be funny. True. Yeah, he's and ironic. you can argue both sides for. He's an ironic videos. guy. Okay, yeah. fair. Um, who has the best thumbnail faces? Keith, for sure. Look at that face. All of you guys gave different answers. Uh, fave new YouTuber friend since becoming like super famous. Oh shit! Uh, you know we've actually been making a lot of new YouTuber friends. You know. I would say I really enjoy Lily Singh. Aww. She was uh, someone that is just so huge in, yeah. in terms of being a legacy YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Like she was one of the OGs that, you know, usually when you first meet it's them like at like an event, they're like kind of untouchable. Yeah. Um, the Her, her and the Shane Dawson's and, mm-hmm. you know, I guess you could even include the Pauls. Like they're like older, right. like huge YouTubers that just have way too many followers. Um, but in person, she was like incredibly nice yeah. and very gracious. And Do you miss BuzzFeed? Sometimes. Not in the way... Uh, I don't miss BuzzFeed professionally, mm-hmm. but I do sometimes miss it personally. Uh, personally. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because there are, uh, let's be real, every time I talk about BuzzFeed and leaving it, when I say, you know, wipe my brow, I'm glad I'm over that, yeah. it's because of a, prof- a professional sense. Right. I had a contract, I could do everything I want to do that I wanted to do since I was a kid, but everyone who worked at BuzzFeed, including you, you know, I we might not like have been friends with you. So much in any other yeah. well Life no me and you yeah we would have found each other i would have found you at a bar like at the back room <laughs> in like, the bathroom on the floor snorting fake heroin something off the floor <laughs> what i think is heroin yep uh but i don't regret any of the personal experiences i had there i like including that. meeting the fucking try guys who you right? know i would not have been friends with them in Fuck no. hell no hell no, no. we would yeah. never have crossed paths so at least there's that yeah it is funny that like you will you know as you guys continue to grow and grow and grow that like that will be such a small part of your overarching career yeah it is funny i guess if it we'd... was only what four years that you mm-hmm. were there which is four really and a half years yeah not that long no in your grand scheme of like it was truly like going to another college yep yeah that's the best way of putting it whenever yep. anyone asks like how's it working there i'm like college yep imagine college but you get paid um youtuber you're not friends with but really want to be oh um Oh, I love that guy who does primitive technology. It's the Australian dude. He's just like shirtless in all his videos and he builds things as if it was the Stone Age um, with no no sync sound in terms of dialogue. It's just him working. So it's vaguely SMR, but he literally recreates things like a, a like a forge or a What the hell? I've never even or a seen hut. This. And they're massively viral. Oh, this guy was in the YouTube rewind. He was, he was the end mm-hmm. and everyone was like, What the fuck was that? Yeah. He's great. I fucking love him. Also, he's like Always shirtless, which I always appreciate. When not mad shirtless. about that. Not yeah. mad about that. Um, and I love people who are silent. 
<laughs> I like really respect wow, silence. Surprised you yeah. came to hang out. So with I'd me love today. to be friends with like if I had to collab because I'm not like someone who's just immediately like hey fucking collab like yeah you know, I feel awkward. But if he asked me to do that, I would love to be in a video just in the background like you hear that popping technology? up popping up it from a bush with like a spear. You would be great at that. Yeah. All of those like outdoorsy woodsy videos you guys did. I that's excel. not an act. Yeah. Like that's very much you. Yeah, and I get really one with nature. Like I would. A, you would be the first person I drive to in an apocalypse situation. I am the best person to get in a zombie I know. apocalypse. You have endless booze, mm -hmm. two very cute dogs, mm -hmm. and you're a psychopath. And I also sit uh, with my back facing most open spaces so I can mark exits whenever I walk into a new building. That Me too, but that's because I have massive anxiety. <laughs> I have a lot of anxiety too, but I also know Do what you I can really? use as a weapon. Um, for things that are spectacularly... Uh, you know, tragic that could happen that probably won't, like plane crashes Ooh, or yeah. mass shootings. Do you do good? Well, mass shootings, that's totally like legit. That's a, yeah. that's a legit based fear. But airplane crashes, I'm the same way. But you travel so much. I know, but I I have uh, severe anxiety on planes. Do you take Xanax or anything? No, I don't take anything. Ever? No, I kind of get a high from the anxiety. You know, I feel like it keeps me on my toes because wow. if I actually relax, then I won't be prepared when we go down. Most deaths happen when people don't get off a plane fast enough because they don't know what to do. So they sit like sheep. So what I would do is scream, point at people, let my anxiety <laughs> run high, kick the slow people in the face and be like, children who are fast and people who are fit, you get off now first because it saves more people statistically. Unless you have older people in front who don't move as fast, they kill more people because the fire consumes everyone. I've researched this a lot. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I've just never heard anyone that's been able to channel their anxiety for good before. Yeah, you know, I hate it in the moment, but I yeah. know it will come in use one day. How does your anxiety manifest itself? Mentally, I'm a wreck, but oh, externally, wow. I turn into a stone fox. Like people want to fuck you? No, more like a stone fox, or like an actual like rabid animal. Yeah. <laughs> people are like, more like I'm a wild creature. I, it has rabies. Yeah, on the planet, I just, I just go. Like this, yeah, I'm in that person. Weirdest fight the Try Guys have ever had. Oh God, the weirdest fight we've ever had. Um, you know, most of our fights are usually about work, so ah. I would not say any of them are typically weird. A lot of them are pointless, yeah, because it's like over a thumbnail. That's what the other guy said. Yeah, or it's over a concept. Like we've never had an actual friend-ending fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have been very fortunate, and I am always and that's, all about. I was going to say, fights. right? I've cut a lot of fat in my life. That's the. I used to it's be good. the biggest. Like, here's some Eugene T. I was like shy. Um, people, people pleasing. I was right. crazy people pleasing. One time, the first time I went to a uh, actual party was like sophomore year of high school. Wow. Yeah, I'd never been to like a party. Only like a sleepover at a friend's place. That doesn't count. Doesn't count. Right. But they started playing Spin the Bottle. <gasps> and I said, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. And I backed out and walked out the house. No. And, and I walked home. I was supposed to call my mom to pick me up like two hours later. But I walked like three miles home. That's quick. your fight or flight. And you flight. I, I flighted. <laughs> well, that's it. why when you said you got anxiety, I was like, are you saying anxiety like the way people just use anxiety these days? No, or, I have. Because there is good anxiety. Then there's like anxiety disorder exactly and i don't think i have that in a sense where it's debilitating right but it is situational now Fine. when i was younger yeah. it was much more constant mm -hmm. and i think for me a lot of it was informed by sexuality and race mm -hmm. in my environment in texas right um so thankfully for me a lot of it was externally enforced right. mm -hmm. so it was a reactionary as opposed to me naturally like being a survival way. method exactly which almost like hardened you now in a way that yep. like if it's the opposite where it is very scarring and triggering as a child and you're not dealing with it, it tends to come out yep. pretty traumatically. As but for me, I was always told 
ever since I was a little kid that I was like weird or ugly. You know, it was like <laughs> the classic bullying story. But yeah. for me then, I got to have the opportunity to have a point where I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. And then own that and be better. Well, and you're also hot as fuck. Like, so do you <sighs> get to just like shit on me? Yeah, I'm get, this no. is going to be an hour of me hitting on Eugene again for all You've of you already people. done this for the past four years, Kelsey. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Okay? I do it to you too. You're the one guy I have no problem justifying. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think there's it's a double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was really uh, sort of like felt bullied and was very hard on myself, that was interesting because when I got out of the small town um, that I grew up in, mm-hmm. I came to LA where I thought I was going to like come out and I was going to be, you know, in the queer community and I was going to be um, accepted at, at film school and accepted. Community. It was kind of like the same environment, but just Yikes. like weirdly you went from like, and I don't mean this in the correct political term, but really it's like I went from a far right situation that uh-huh. was sort of incubating right. my problems to a far left problem right where it was almost like no you're not different at all you're just like me except for like you're you can only hang out with us because you're hot and mm. like you know it was this it thing was a stereotypical four-year college I, w- right? I immediately became like the opposite of being ostracized for being asian i was the asian friend for everyone oh, i was the the, the quote-unquote attractive asian friend for all my gay Yikes. friends uh. so then that made me flip from the insecure quiet meek kid who was trying to people please to the bitchy closed Another off aggressive tactic. exactly so I, I went from flight to fight wow. so then i joke about this sometimes my drunk types that come out like the 10 types many of them i've tried to retire because they mm-hmm. were way more prevalent in my early to mid 20s and it was more acceptable mm-hmm. i think but now i was it's like not... fucking crazy when i got drunk i know like now i'm <laughs> Fun crazy. Yeah, yeah. but I'm you, like fun crazy. You have like you have traits that you know some shit went down with you. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, like, I think into... a lot of people do see past you, and especially now that you've been a little bit more vocal and open about your past and your you know what who has made you who you are today. I think people can see like, oh, this th- it's not necessarily an act, but you are who you are because of what has happened. Yeah. To you. Yeah, a lot of the sort of hardness I have in right. Try Guys, I guess, mythology mm-hmm. is from a real place. Right. It's just exacerbated because the other guys have very little hardness to them in regards to <laughs> they their- They are soft pierogies. <laughs> All of them. No, they're sweeties, right? Yeah. They're like little, like if you were a Halloween candy bag, they would be like all the candies and chocolates. And I'd be yeah. like the one with the syringe in it. <laughs> one with the razor blade yeah, be like the apple, apple with a razor blade yeah yeah but it's i think like do you feel because i also i saw a very interesting tweet yesterday that i wasn't this wasn't part of this but it, what you were saying reminded me that like a girl was commenting about uh this like white lady who is doing yoga and instead of dumbbells she uses wine and her tweet was like when are we gonna stop like pushing the white girls with no other personality traits besides being an alcoholic as funny uh, like alcoholism is a real issue. Why is it okay? Oh my gosh, for, she was like, directly attacking you. I well, here's the thing: is two years ago, I totally would have been like, "Fuck you!" Like you don't know how I grew up. You don't know what actually like is my struggle or whatever. But now I feel like it's not cute to be that. In yeah. the same way that I don't think you are the same way you were a lot like no. two years ago because it's not cute to be like and mean it's, it's the, anymore. The whoever tweeted that isn't wrong. The thing For is, sure. And no, I, feel I like agree. I haven't had to clarify yet explicitly <laughs> um, because I've seen comments come up because I have a lot of videos where I'm mm-hmm. proudly drinking mm-hmm. or, you know, very truthfully saying I handle liquor way better than the other guys. Right. Um, 
for me to joke about it is because personally I come from a family that has a history of alcoholism and I personally went through phases Mm. where I had really bad problems with alcohol. Mm. So to joke about it now for me is very natural. Same. But for an audience member who doesn't know that history, I can see how it's like like glorifying it. Exactly. And people are like, so I understand that and I need to be a little more judicious with the way I speak about it. But I think that's also the way, I don't think it's necessarily you or me. I think it's the way that young people are now becoming sure they are sensitive but i do think they are the most intelligent like behind us that totally. thank god they're taking over but i think they're not afraid to call us out on shit that we already know is kind of gross like i, mean, I have like, to say one thing though is yeah. that you kind of have to give white ladies one thing right <laughs> y'all don't have much to claim no we and have nothing we're so bland i'm gonna tell you right now the <laughs> older white women especially who do drink wine a lot yeah drink wine more than i drink anything so uh as people might know my stepfather's french mm-hmm. and so i grew up a little bit of time. Un peu. Ooh, un you speak French? No, my dad oh. fluently does. Uh, <laughs> but um, my uh, mon mère habite à Paris. I just got avec mon beau-père. <laughs> Anyone else have a beau-père? <laughs> okay, we'll do that. Um, <laughs> we don't want to flood the couch. Yeah, we're this talking about something small. serious, okay? So uh, he opened, I grew up in a very strict sort of Texan mm-hmm. household. Mm-hmm. France is the opposite of that. Right. Super so, free love. Existential, non-religious. Drinking at There's breakfast. There's pros and cons to both. Absolutely. Um, and I my, wonder you're so well-rounded. I guess so. You got the best of both worlds. Or just messed up. Yeah, I can't both. tell. <laughs> my, uh, my stepfather opened me up to this idea um, that I think is really healthy, especially when approaching something like alcohol, which mm-hmm. is that it was always ingrained culturally. Mm-hmm. So for him and for many Europeans especially, they drink wine, even starting at a young age, around dinner. Right. They drink it around meals. They drink it around celebrations. Family, and so young kids yeah. are starting to associate alcohol with an idea of celebration, of culture, and of occasion, mm-hmm. as opposed to in America especially, where we're told constantly to either black and white not do this or you're going to hell mm-hmm. or do this and you'll you know go to heaven. Right. Um, that's why we have all these drunk driving accidents. That's yeah. why we have kids who are rebelling in they're very rightful stage mm-hmm. to be rebellious. But if the one thing they think of that's bad is things like drugs right. and alcohol, right. and they're, when they're 13 or 14, they go out and they drunk drive and they get killed. Mm-hmm. It's because we keep ingraining with them right. that like alcohol, like equals bar none is bad. Yeah. And so I think that while I agree that glorifying alcohol can, there's a very it's shady area there. Here. I don't mind the association of it with yeah. fun white ladies. Yeah. One, <laughs> White women are never seen as threatening. So if wine is associated with that, I don't I don't see it as like someone who is essentially right. equating alcohol to something that will kill Equal you. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is something that I think that we should be vigilant about. Yeah. But I think that the core of it is we should all also have like an understanding that if we're speaking from a don't do this at all and do this because that's good culture. Yeah. That's never well, helpful that's in like the end. Well, that's like also cancel culture. Like, I, And I think that that's where like that's a perfect explanation of Twitter. Yeah. And the problem is everyone is wrong or right. right. And that is, again, pulling back to weirdly, I guess social media has pushed into this ultra conservatism, which I've spoken about, about uh, American views on alcohol, mm-hmm. which is you are either right or you're wrong and there's no in between. Mm-hmm. And that is what made people in my family alcoholic. Right. Because and so it's it was almost wrong. like shaming and exactly. it's making people feel bad so now. So getting that in people's head. wasn't a bad thing. It's yeah. something bad now. Because once you get puritanical about anything, yeah. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm just going to cancel you your face. Yeah. Because like that never turns out I well. love that term i'm canceling you to your face can we make that more <laughs> it's a live canceling of a the face faces. cancellation yeah um i had a really funny fan question come in that um mm-hmm. Ooh, well i have bourbon's like really hidden it's warm also it's i haven't so eaten cold. today oh i, I don't eat McDonald's. breakfast 
That's bad, Eugene. You should. Annette Jolene wants to know who your fave BTS member is. Oh, shit. I don't. All I know is that a BTS is a K-pop band. This is interesting because I've thought about as a Korean person, it is insane to see how K-pop has spread so massively, right. so um, internationally, mm-hmm. and it is essentially like the music mm-hmm. and visuals that young kids are growing up on. Um, I I see it a little bit too much from the industry side, right? That I don't like fawn over anyone in a way okay. where I sh- I would like I did maybe back in the day for like right. a girl group or a boy band. Sure. Like, of course, if I like say Spice Girls, I'm, I love Posh Spice. Like that, she was my bias. <sighs> Baby was nice. But that's because yeah, I was like, like aligning myself with something, yeah. and I don't do that as much now because I'm too old. It represents old. Who you are as a person. I might be too old, or I might okay, be too. Okay, so you're gonna um, pass on that answer. Yeah, I might be too. I might be too involved in it. But I would say Jungkook if I had to. Okay. Yeah, and that's just because he's like. What's his like? He's just like perfect. He's just like the okay. all-rounder. He's just like got everything. Okay. So I respect that, you know? Because okay. there's always like a funny one, a cute right. one, like a bad the, boy. That, it's yeah. like very classic, yeah. though with a little more delineation about right. like specific roles. You did a video about it where you I did, yeah. I did different types. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I generally am more interested in the types. Here's mm-hmm. the general answer. I'm more interested in the types that are really good at a lot of things mm-hmm. and or got edge and swag and a little attitude. And they need to be able to dress well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is my favorite question because I know you've never been asked this because you know how you guys always get asked the same like 10 questions. Yes. <clears throat> oh, Mame wants to know if all of the other Try Guys were gay, would they be tops or bottoms and explain yourself? <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> it's so gay. That so That's like the gayest thing to ask. Funny. I can't think of anything. Okay, gayer. let me let me preface this okay. with a little bit of gay culture. Please explain what tops and bottoms are for anyone for some reason. Okay, so isn't y- aware and if they're you somehow had to listening a, to this podcast. If you had to align with some sort of label in regards to your sexual position overall for personal preference, you're either mm-hmm. top or bottom reverse. Tops are the inserters. Mm-hmm. Pitchers. The pitchers. Uh, bottoms are the insertees, the catchers. catchers. And then verse can um switch bases. And there's actually a lot of like kind of um like buzz about this recently in the community about like um what's the word i'm looking for like prejudice against certain yeah there's so what i wanted to say is that like a lot of people joke um which i think it comes from a very hyper masculine mm, old-fashioned place is. of like bottoms are like oh you're Twinkie, a bottom I'm pre- like femme but there is also um with uh the sort of young people in the internet a revolution of people being very proud about mm. being bottoms and the reality that a lot of people are actually truly bottoms and there's no shame in that right um was it a shameful was it like a little shamey not shamey i think it's more like it's very very much in the vein, even though gay men didn't know they were perpetuating it, of like, be a dude. I can't think of anything more dude-like than wanting to have sex with dudes. True. Like, that is the ultimate stance with dude. But again, the idea of <laughs> penetration. Fair. It, it gets uh, gender rolled very Got quickly. It. So that's where it comes from. And then again, that plays into the idea of inherent sexism. So, like, yeah. there's a lot there, there. to unpack. The, unpack. the so, podcast isn't long enough for So, that. like, if this was, like, the year 2000, <laughs> right. I would have immediately joked and we would have gotten a good laugh and I said, bottoms immediately. That's what yeah. I would say. But I'm going to actually think about okay, it. Okay, let's dissect this. So I'm going to say that. Who should we start with? Um, You give me a name and I'll, I'll do it. Keith. Keith would be. Wow. Now I am really thinking about this. No, I'm really actively thinking about it. I have to. It's weird because I do know enough about them where I know that they're how they are in relation in their relationships. Yeah. Well, I think they put it on the Internet and it's not too far from reality. Like they keep a lot private, but it's not like the. I don't think we'd be shocked to hear. Anything. No. OK. I'm going to start with Ned. OK. Ned, I think, is verse because he oh, yeah. he and 
Ariel especially, are so judicious with everything that it's not necessarily even versed by preference. It's versed by um, their sort of um, their equal power they're dynamic. They're take and share. They're like they're give and take. They're very much give and take. Yes. Yeah. I don't think that in any way in their relationship, and I mean, that's why they work so well, they're just extremely balanced. Mm. And I feel like if they were even a gay couple, they would probably force that. <laughs> yeah. Like if anything, it might be an, an unnatural versatility. Yeah. They're just like, we got to try this. Yes. It's all the rage. Exactly. Though I think that if Errol was a dude, I think they would have initially met and Ned would have been the bottom initially. And then they would become versed because they have a very equal Do you think that that happens where, where gay men get into relationships pretending to be? No, I don't think anyone's pretending. I yeah. think people can kind of feel it naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I think people just know. Because a, a lot of my friends will say like uh, they they assumed he was something or or like I'll show them a picture and be like, do you think he's cute? And they'll be like, he's a bottom. And I'm like, yeah. how do you know that? Yeah. And I don't think that's fair because then yeah. it's like you don't see people as people. But hey, what do I know? Um, I'm going to go ahead and just answer the other two. Okay. I think Keith and Zach are bottoms. Okay. Yeah. I think that they have a certain amount of also unless you're a power bottom. Which is different. Which is different, which involves a lot more aggressive and mm. athletic behavior. It's almost like you're somehow more stable. You're like topping someone with your ass. <laughs> you're topping someone with your bottom. Yeah. I don't think either of them are necessarily a power bottom. Mm. Um, Ned could be when he started. Ned it. could be. I think it was a Ned was a power bottom, but with Ariel, he is a verse man. Got it. I think Keith and Zach are bottoms, not in the sense of like... It's just, I just know them, and I just know that s I just feel like as gay men, they would be just way more, one, comfortable with owning that. Mm. But also, like, I just feel like they it don't want to do as much work and have that much pressure yeah. in regards to being the hammer instead of the nail. I think, I think they would elect to be the nail sense. in most situations. Yeah. I think what you're saying, too, about, like, that our generation is becoming a little bit more like owning it and mm -hmm. being like bringing power to it whereas before it was sort of seen as like a thing that you're so right with keith and zach being yeah. like we're fucking bottoms yeah they would be proud bottoms yeah and you know it, it's not as uh cut and dry because people might say oh he's just leaning towards like these are more feminine traits no, more bottom. no it, but they're and not. if you knew gay yeah. men you would find that it's very di diversified totally. sometimes you're very surprised when you find out i but am generally shooketh. it's like a um it's like just part of sexual energy mm -hmm. and you can start, it's like, um, so big dick energy, for example, BDE. you know how a lot of people can sense BDE off mm -hmm. of guys, um, which doesn't necessarily mean for gay men if they're, they're top or bottom, it just right. means dick size. But that is something that is, um, almost pheromonal. It's almost mm -hmm. like in the moment in face to face, you just feel something off of someone. Yeah. Um, if you you're attuned to sexual energy, you can feel that off of the bottom top. Do you vibe find it to be similar with like. I know for a lot of women or like cis women, they will say like, oh, my role in society, I'm like boss ass bitch, like don't need no fucking man. But then when it comes to sex, they they just want to break. They just want to do missionary. They just want someone to ravage yep. them. They just yep. want to be stereotypically have, held by a man. I've had that conversation with so many close girlfriends. Because you spend your time but telling in men the bedroom, what to do I need all day. That. Exactly. Yeah, and so, so there is a lot of that. And I think that does um, cross over in some ways to the queer community. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of gender, sexual, um, power dynamics mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in the end, it's very individual. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is sort of a constant that That's you can true. feel off of people. Yeah. We like, have to say that is like we are specifically speaking from just personal experience but you can know but you can really sense this type of energy yeah. off people and and case in point in the end there are situations where people who both feel like they in innately are say tops will uh not necessarily 
seal the deal with each other because mm. they can sense it off of each other. Right. I think people are becoming way more flexible overall. It's the same way like with straight people. If you know you want to fuck someone within 10 seconds of meeting them, you just get that vibe. Mm-hmm. Unless exactly. you're hate fucking them, which I've definitely done where it's like 20 years later and you're just like, Rah! I just gotta yes. get this out of my system. I don't care if it's terrible. Yeah. And I think that in the end, um, it's funny because like bottom and top and gay sex positions have become like zeitgeisty. Like they're <laughs> in the culture now. Oh, and they're totally like Like once Troy Sivan topical. was making like songs about it, all the kids are going, oh, I'm a bottom. And I'm like, yeah. no, no yet until you go to a club yep. and you're hanging out with friends and you start talking to people and like, you know, take your time with sexual experiences. The other thing I should say is that, you know, I was a virgin until I was 25. Oh. Yeah. I was virginal, but I was very sexually I didn't mean to educated. Say that as if no, no, no. It, it's, it's shocking for people who know it's me. It's shocking for people yeah. that know you, but also not so shocking now that I've heard your spin the bottle story. Did you watch Sex Education, the new Netflix series? I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love it. Do you think, have you watched it all? I watched it all. I'm it's like, great. I think six or seven episodes. It's in, very funny. Yeah. But I, I have theories, but I don't want to discuss it in case people haven't seen it. But the way it, like Gillian Anderson was like, yeah, she's hot as fuck. I know. Um, that was me sometimes when I was just out of bars. And mm-hmm. I'm, I was the virgin. Actually, I guess I was the son too. But I was like literally giving people advice when I was 23. Never had sex. But everyone would come to me and be like, what do you think? Because I was yeah. an objective voice. Yeah. And I, all my friends were having sex. Wow. But there's no shame right. in not having sex when you're young. No, It's totally, totally oh normal. Oh my God. It's so unfulfilling. Yeah. No one was really orgasming. Yeah. We were and- all just doing what we thought, what we saw in porn, and what the guys were lying about. And sex takes like time yeah. and practice. It's not like oh a God, thing really people, does. and it's not in the movies. It's not like people don't have great nope. de-virginizing sex when they're 14. Nope. It just doesn't Fuck happen. No. People don't even know what to kiss in high school. Right. And that's like kind of like. That's the biggest that's like part of it. That's like to get into the pit at mm-hmm. the baseball game. You're not mm-hmm. even on home base yet. Yeah. You got to know how to kiss. And that, you know, honestly, it doesn't it even happen in college either. Time. It's a nuance. It's very specific. Like you don't, that's just age. Yeah. You don't learn that early on. And it's a skill. So, like, in the end, if you want to learn how to use trombone, you don't have to start learning trombone when you're in middle school. Right. And it doesn't mean someone who's been playing their trombone since middle school means they're any better at trombone if they've never actually taken a class or learned about how to use their trombone. And some people are savant. And some people just know how to fucking, like, play a trombone on the first try. Yeah, it's a very diverse thing. Yeah. But in the end, no one should feel pressured either way. Yeah. I was a good example of someone who did not play trombone until I was in my mid 20s now we knew a lot about band where are you a <laughs> <laughs> he he hung out with the band he was yeah. with the band I was with all the band players are I was just you, con- I was conducting are you a platinum gay are mm. you a gold star gay um that's penis to vagina right so the platinum is that you've literally never touched one in that you were a c-section baby so you didn't even touch your oh no i was not i was in c-section but gold star means you've never touched Touched. uh like a girl that you're then i am neither do tell i can't tell that story oh come on (laughs) wait you're neither well yeah well so okay so you've touched a puss (laughs) i'm coughing <laughs> I made him choke, guys. Yeah, it's bringing back memories. <laughs> <coughs> you don't have to tell me. I'm just mm. curious to like. You're 25. I have had touched... anything to do with like? Yeah, it was. Um, let's just say the experiences were not necessarily sexual, mm. but maybe became that way. Mm. 
it's very awkward. I I had a <coughs> my first all of my first sexual experiences. I lost my virginity to a woman. I all, everything was very young, very early. Started with like eight year olds playing doctor in a room. Graduated to like making out during sleepovers. Mm-hmm. Graduated to like having sex with a woman. And it wasn't until I was I lost my do my dick virginity when i a week before my 16th birthday which is still quite early but i was the last one of anyone in my town to lose their virginity so like perspective right but i also was just way more comfortable having like sexual exploration with vagina yeah dick scared the shit out of me yeah mine was uh similar Mm. but not quite Mm. that's from texas but you ain't gold star baby no ain't gold star i'm a lone star though (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. That's the joke I was looking for. You, you You're came very and welcome. It in. Uh, I do love how visible, like a lot more visible, you've been about your sexuality you. on the internet. I think like I've known you for three, four years, and so I've been like, I've just been in awe of of your uh, just really like your intelligence and brilliance with the way you. Speak about really any culture and community but specifically the way you have always uplifted the lgbt community community what has it been like what was the switch what what is next for you like what what was this decision to, yeah. to come out a little more i think um this is very nuanced but i think that the reason i did not initially essentially like paint the walls red with rainbows <laughs> red with rainbows Got it. Uh, is because of my history of being someone who was, quote unquote, passably straight mm. upon first meeting, mm-hmm. especially early, say, BuzzFeed days or early right. video production days. A right. lot of people just thought I was straight. Right. And um, a lot of people thought I was socially straight when I first meet them in college, mm-hmm. definitely in high school. And um, there is a uh, there is an interesting cross section between being Asian and a male mm-hmm. and um not straight Mm -hmm. that for me there was a deficit in regards to a voice that could get in there that was comforting to the general public sure and i sort of made that my job Mm. so in a weird way because especially if you know today whenever you are if anything uh more of a social justice warrior Mm -hmm. which i think is very important Mm you immediately um, are alienated to a lot of audiences right which is not for me a tactical thing it was always a um it was more practical and impact oriented. Right. And um, it was never like my intention because like my first video was about like guys I dated. Right. At BuzzFeed. If you actually look back at the I first know. video I and that's why when people I would be like, is Eugene straight? I'm like, Google it. <laughs> but people, people didn't know. People didn't yeah. know. And so um, I saw that as an opportunity because there's there was enough representation mm-hmm. of um, really, you know, fabulous fucking like ready to go Asian American um, queer men who mm-hmm. were just like really, you know, hitting it home. And but there wasn't enough of this sort of pocket, especially online. <laughs> well, yeah, it was like I I I saw the opportunity. And this is also from me being um, sort of from a USC film school background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to see myself almost as a product, mm. and um, I saw that I was weirdly, even though I just never believed this as a kid. Because if you know my actual film work, I'm crazy. Yeah, um, no, it's intense. I weirdly have mainstream quote unquote appeal, mm-hmm. which is why I ended up working with the right. try guys um it never thought i would yeah. but something about me on camera like translated well with like right. middle-aged Middle moms in, in the midwest and <laughs> right. like people in korea so do you do you feel a pressure though that i felt incredible pressure like, yeah the relatable like 
queer, but like never out. Like I feel like that must have been tough for you to balance because you're also your image your personal life and your work life were so mixed. Yeah, I think that for me, I just sort of ended up falling into that voice mm-hmm. because also what happened was after the first year at BuzzFeed, even though I was doing a lot of videos that were kind of edgy and like avant-garde, um, Try Guys really kicked in after a year after that. And with the Try Guys, uh, the inherent premise that most even press releases had after we had a lot of viral videos is that these four straight men mm. are experiencing things that they don't understand. How assumptive of you, media. But it is true because we had to take a stance of, I am the most inexperienced in terms of like my cultural right. know-how right. because that messaging in the video carried more impact. Mm. And so I fell into the role of being the edgiest and most sort of like as you would say, different othered right. of the four of us, but I was but still, still palatable yeah. for Middle America, Middle America yeah. which is why people always joke like they thought Ned and Keith or Zach were would, gay yeah. before I was. Yeah. So like now that you're like, I love that you did the streamies and drag. I love that you're posting these like super fluid pictures. How are people responding and do you give a flying fuck? Yeah, I mean, I get like some weird ass hate messages now. I get a lot of people who uh, stop following me. I get um, which is crazy because to anyone that knows you. Yeah, we're like shooketh. And I think all of us want to come to a defense and are also kind of like 2019 is not the year of wasted energy. Yeah. You know, what's nice is that what's interesting is that unfortunately, I can't change people's minds, but I did get into enough people's minds who didn't necessarily understand communities I come from. Uh, First, very apparently with Asian-ness and then with queerness. And so now they're like, oh They're kind of like, oh, they got to know me as a friend. Because if you think about it, um, sort of historically and in regards to the storyline, the narrative of the Try Guys, like I've seen as someone who's like very... um, not only dominant mm-hmm. in terms of my personality, I'm also mm. very dominant. Sorry. I'm also very uh, self-possessed, if anything, uh, to the point of cockiness yep. for character, which I'm not really in real life. Not at all. No, that's the secret. It's, yeah, but that's I do the it, Try Guys secret. It, it, it also comes away, I don't like pretend like I'm cocky, but it comes out when I'm the one right. who they're like, oh, Eugene's gonna yeah, do well at this. Right. So I'm a very self-possessed, confident character that is already the Asian guy in a all-white White group. Guy. So already I was playing with politics there um, to, then add layers with queerness, mm-hmm. which is also a othered, othered. Uh, subjugated right. group. Um, if I went out swinging from the get go, people would have been. I like, would have always been. I don't get it. Too and much. I would also have been the SJW group. I would have been the complainer. I would have you been would have seen been, and boxed into yes. these places that you also would have had to do a lot of more emotional labor than I'm sure you already have to do. As yeah, and othered. and honestly, I would not have. We would not have ever become friends right. because I would have already built a wall around myself. Right. And so, and that's never should be on the responsibility of the person who's othered. But we are in a time. Where well, we're all building walls w- against each what other. What we do for a living, I think, is it's weird because you then have to have that conversation, which I don't think someone who's you know middle America banker yeah. kind of job. Well, maybe that's not true. Maybe they have to have that conversation. But did the guys ever have a conversation with you about it, or was it always something that like you were always? Driving We've had multiple the, conversations throughout yeah. the time. Yeah, and I think they've always been sensitive to it, which is why I'm friends with them, which yeah, is great. Fair. But I think <laughs> that, um, and this should never be the journey of anyone who's trying to like use me as an example to follow a certain path. Right. I think everyone should always be open up front about who for they sure. are. But for me as a person in media and mm-hmm. a person who was who was uh, well self-possessed enough to understand where I needed to push certain aspects to get more 
of my work mm -hmm. uh, creating actual impact. Mm -hmm. I sacrificed certain things right. and I expanded on other things. And it ended up working for me mm -hmm. and the Try Guys in a way where I feel like I've gotten to enough people's homes, mm -hmm. enough people's conservative grandmas have seen mm -hmm. me so that the they can hearts. point at me. And in the end, and I've gotten to things like with, uh, you know, because the Asian community is also notoriously right, conservative yeah. so i went to like even an asian american gala in essentially a very yes. gender fluid outfit one and i just decided like oh it was weird like because you know streamies or trevor Burt live which i hosted mm -hmm. trevor live right. i can be very sort of like fluid yeah, and queer people are much more internet, open to it yeah interestingly like we don't talk about this enough but the cross-section between race and the intersection really sure. between race and um lgbt issues can be very convoluted mm. and um asian society can be very can be very backwards with too. gender with right. race right. Uh, with ability so um I think with me, the uh, decision to go as Jennifer as I please, because I was like, oh, I'm gonna fuck it, I'm gonna do what I want, um, <laughs> was very scary at the time, because I was yeah. like, I don't know, I've already made inroads right. as like a digital golden boy like, for yeah. the Asian community. Yeah. How will they respond to me also throwing this like really thick queer lever over it? And you never felt like in the media now more than ever people want you? I think so, but it's interesting because I went in with the confidence, which I wouldn't have had, that they have already accepted me. Mm. So I had the power. Mm. And unfortunately, I think it's that's what happened. all the difference in the world. Yeah, because you... in the end, yeah. and this is like in no way a critique, it's just a very honest um, sort of recognition of how my sort of um, alignment with my identities has evolved mm -hmm. publicly. It's that I had grown up with such little power for both being queer and, and being Asian, Asian in, a, in ways that I could have complained about it in every video so from the beginning. I could have made <laughs> right. every video about me being bullied and having the anxiety I talked about, having a lot of issues as a kid. But instead, I always presented as the person with the most power. Damn. Ever. Fuck. Every video. Because people also forget that when That's I when I, <laughs> when I joined BuzzFeed, I was 28. Yeah. I was already older. I'd already been through the shit yeah. with LA, with You're college. Right. Early 20s. Yeah, and yeah, people yeah. always thought I was like 21, but I was already like, I understood myself years. enough. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm going to happen to become a digital presence or like an on-screen presence, I'm going to be the vision right. that kids hopefully can relate to because of my background, but also can maybe find aspirational. Right. And so the one thing I refused was to be the joke token friend. Right. Especially right. in, you know, funnily enough, a cast of guys who would actually be the leads if we were right. cast in something more traditional. Right. So I always said I had to have the power. So to have the power over that when I first was introduced over the first few years and then let Made the other stuff come out worked. in an organic way. Right. Um, if I didn't have that power initially, it would I would be a very always have been fighting uphill. Yeah. in everything I was in. If I was, say, um, 15 years younger mm -hmm. with my experience as mm -hmm. a person who was sort of ostracized a lot mm -hmm. and had a lot of legit cultural problems, mm -hmm. I would be like a lot of the people today. I would be on Twitter. I would be like vehemently mm -hmm. uh, canceling people. Mm -hmm. I would be like angrily tweeting everything because I think there is righteousness in that, but the outlet was not there for me when I was young. The same thing, the one difference is that the younger people from other communities who didn't have a voice have the, um, I think, the righteous act of saying this is mm -hmm. our voice and we can be open about it for the first time. However, it can't go unchecked. Right. Because when it goes unchecked, especially with yourself, then you fall into problems where you aren't being in a space in which you can 
most healthily navigate your own personal issues because not everything can be um megaphoned and put and put onto a larger cultural issue Mm -hmm. a lot of things are just your own problem that you have to deal with and i had to do that just you know without the internet for a long time then i did it just in my own little fucked up world (laughs) and then i got to a comfortable enough place where i um decided to join a place like BuzzFeed, which right. I thought I was just going to work out for like a month. Yeah. <laughs> I did it because I needed a full-time job. Sure. And so it was interesting and I had no interest in the internet. So it was interesting because when I got into that, I That's saw I saw everyone was like, oh, put Eugene on camera more. Right. People like seeing Eugene on camera. And my first thought wasn't, what is my identity? What is my voice? I thought that and then I thought right after that, yeah, where is this going? What are the optics? How am I actually making real change? Mm-hmm. And I said, Am I going to be first and foremost the angry young person I was Mm. and in a lot of ways still Mm. am internally? Mm. Or can Mm. I use at least one of the strengths I know I have personally to offer, Mm. which is someone who has come through that tunnel and can first be presented as empowered and in a lot of ways that people joke about online better than you, quote unquote. Well, I think there's something there's something to going through, right? Yeah. Like the I try and always think of it. trying to be relatable to my struggle of like anxiety right i'm going through it the emphasis on through like Mm -hmm. you come out eventually another side and i think what's happening with those megaphone people on twitter is that like that becomes their identity becomes a little bit hive mindy it becomes a little bit as much as like troll mentality can become where it's like who are we yelling at and why is it just to yell are we just angry like I don't know. I I feel this way as a as a bisexual person that like I'm constantly overread. I'm never identified. I'm never taken seriously. But like I realize that there's two things that I can do, and maybe this kind of speaks to what you did, where you were like, I have two choices: is I can be this thing, I can be this like angry person, or I can continue to live my life in the most authentic and honest way for myself. And I think with what we do for a living where people do look to us and want to identify so much with our lives and have someone to like stand, if you will, that can become a little dangerous where you're not living for yourself anymore. You're not being who you are. You're not, you're not speaking out about issues because you actually want to, but you feel like you have to, and you kind of become like, uh, like you said, tokenized a little bit. I don't know. I think the way to, uh, uh, avoid that I had to learn kind of the hard way is just by maybe sometimes logging off maybe sometimes not participating in a conversation and being true to to my shit like living the way that I'm supposed that I'm going to live and that to me feels like I'm doing more of a favor for the world by just being than being I don't want to say angry because I don't think people who just shout into the void are always angry than always being like a part of it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are just searching for validation mm. in some way. Mm. And um, many times the tool is to expound upon social issues. And I think that there is a validity to a lot of what people say, especially if they truly feel it. Mm. I do think, though, that I would, uh, what I always ask people is if you are tweeting or if you are posting about all of these particular things, the effort you put into that should, mm. if anything, reflect and or be trumped by the effort you put into that type of discourse in real life. Do you know what I mean? 
And fucking speak it. If you yeah. walk it, you better fucking talk it. You <laughs> and better if talk you, it, you better walk it. <laughs> and if uh, there is a flip side to many things, like one, I always support that people should surround themselves with people who they feel comfortable mm-hmm. with. And inevitably, you probably will. I also think that there's value in sometimes yep. having to be in real life contests and debates with people who don't see the same way right. things you do. Yeah. And it is, um, it is, I think, part of just life mm-hmm. and especially in a democracy that we have to understand that everyone's going from a different place and you have to admit that you're wrong like I've admitted mm-hmm. many times even today when I'm wrong about something mm. and I think that's something that we all just sort of have to strive more towards everything has to just be way more um, judiciously dealt with from a sense of not um, how do I think that this you know, sort of system makes me feel, but how, as opposed to like me being dependent on it, it's like, how does this serve my emotional needs? And I think that we have, especially young kids have it very twisted where they are essentially serving the platforms Mm. as opposed to, and that's why you have all these things about like people burning out and people like having, and it's, it is unfortunately a a reality of today, you know, Mm -hmm. like everyone thinks that their value is so much ingrained in, um, in social media. Mm-hmm. And in the end, what I always tell people, and this kind of cuts through a lot of the, the shit and the the fat and the stuff we've talked about, mm-hmm. is that when you, um, it doesn't erase real life experience mm-hmm. or interactions. And when you go through real life and you grow up and you decide to do whatever you want, you will always rise to the top when you are the person in the room who um, is the most open, is the most interested, and is the most friendly. Mm. Bar none. I think that there is so much mythos around things like being intellectually superior being because i've often sort of like been seen as that person right Mm -hmm. intellectually superior physically superior Mm -hmm. like this idea of superiority i have a better job than you i make more money than you like these are the things and i have a bigger following than you Mm -hmm. this is just part of that right none of that ever sticks Mm -hmm. and then when you get older you slowly realize and this comes from the seed of like wanting to be popular as a kid Mm -hmm. in school oh my god it's hitting all the people who like never had that and now it's hitting us in our 20s and 30s and in the end (laughs) i know that a lot of people um might follow me in particular for maybe having an idea initially about who I was, especially earlier when I was mm-hmm. like maybe playing more into being, I guess, like a darker brooding sure, sure, sure. type. But I think what most people respect, especially when you meet me in person or you talk to me, is that, is that you are friendly. like a very nice person. And I'll talk to anybody and I'll <laughs> yeah. hang out with anyone and yeah. I'll listen oh, to people. Oh, you've run away at nights out. You've run away with groups of people. Oh, just to hang out with new groups like, of people. Where did he go? And, and that's terrible to my later, actual friends. And we find you. <laughs> yeah. But I think that those skill sets yeah. in order to be open-minded. That's what matters. In order to be um, engaging yeah. as a person and to... Unfortunately, I think okay. I think it's okay to be sensitive. I think it's okay to be righteously angry about things that matter to you. Right. It is hard. Like, yeah, of course, if you're like a gay dude and you find out a guy like supports Trump, it's gonna be very hard to get past yeah. those types of things right. in real life. Um, but I would never like cut someone completely off right. without hearing it to make an informed decision mm-hmm. about where they're coming from. Which is interesting because as a white woman who like often gets pegged as straight, I've been taught that Mm -hmm. if I have someone who is a problematic white person, typically straight, typically a distant family member, someone that it's my job to cut that person off as like a stance Mm. against like almost as like my allyship is that's what I should do. Yeah. And I've always been like that. 
it's still my family, I guess. Yeah. If they like can't wrap their oh, head around it, if they're undereducated, if it's because they did it for tax benefits, whatever. Like a lot of us still have very conservative families. Exactly. And my thing is like I would so much rather have the hard conversation than like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It makes me just as bad as the other side. If I go, you're dumb, you're wrong, your opinions are invalid. Bye. Yeah. I'm unfriending you on Facebook. Which you I've know, done. <laughs> we are we are talking about this in a very I, I am talking about this in a very romantic sense sure. because in the end, and which we all do quite a bit these days, is talk things about romantically. I um it's way easier to preach it than practice it. Mm, and you know, I think that sometimes like maybe uh there are exceptions. Sometimes yeah. people are not in a safe place where they or, could be safe yeah, right, right, to right. be able to like sure. shoot the shit with someone. Personal experience. But I think, especially if you're a woman or right. if you're black, like there's there's a lot of situations where you do need to get out of situations and just mm -hmm. not converse mm -hmm. with someone. Mm -hmm. um, I have a little more power physically as a person to just like be in these places, mm -hmm. in these spaces. And I think that in the end, although I will always stand up for what I believe in and I will always tweet out what I think, even if yeah. it does cancel so other people, I cannot <laughs> let that twitter attitude i can't let that Carry social media over. idea become the yeah. way i actually think as a person because mm -hmm. if that's how i actually mm -hmm. think as a person mm -hmm. then i'm gonna be a sad Damn. angry listless creature yeah. you know and that is something that i'm always afraid that kids are going to take as the most important thing right from being online the same way as it's how many likes you get yeah because even on youtube video comments all about fighting and People just jump on a bad wagon to create right. issues with each other. Well, people and, love drama. And they love the drama, but not the fun drama. I don't. It gives me a stomach ache. Yeah. It's all about this idea of I want to be part of right. a party of people right. that will just scream at the same thing with me. Mm -hmm. To kind of tie a bow on the end of your journey where you are now, I do see a difference in the way that you speak to your audience. And I think it's with leading with love like i hate how cheesy that sounds but it, it truly is coming from a place of like i'm taking care of myself f first like yeah like ned's mom says pay yourself first b i'm leading with love mm -hmm. and if you don't like it then fuck you yeah i mean it has to be said that everything again is always a two-way street it's sure. always a double-edged sword so as i become more open and vulnerable in the sense where I'm being more myself in a lot of ways. You still I have also, to. I also, because being a little more distant mm -hmm. and seen as like more like wholesome in a way mm -hmm. was easier to remain distant from others. Sure. But now that I'm more connected, I also have more personal emotion invested in sure. things. So I have recently been snipping at people online. But I kind of like. Well, I like it because people. Because what's funny is well, people I would hate people don't to realize. Go you yeah, people Twitter don't realize no how. Fucking way. Well, I would shit my pants. I was sniping You're at people. You're too smart. I was sniping at I people. I don't know who, enough big words. Well, because I I joked that like we. I mean, we don't work for both of them anymore. No. We had this like unspoken rule where we didn't want to like. <laughs> well, we didn't have an unspoken rule that we didn't. Um, is older BuzzFeed, but we didn't engage with people right. online. Don't feed we the We just trolls. didn't. Yeah, yeah, I never responded to a tweet until like last year. Right. Yeah, I just wasn't engaged. And now you're like, huh. But now I'll talk to people. But with that comes a personal right. like Attachment, investment right. into emotionally engaging yourself in sure. conversations. And when I start seeing now that I have that platform for that voice, I get into spaces where like, yeah, people are shitting on the other guys. I'm going to be the one like, but then again, I'm trying to lead with my strength, which is now, even though I'm being more open and more vulnerable and more queer and Asian, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm also being more open about like how actually mean I am. And if yeah. you fuck with my friends, 
I will Oof. destroy you. No, yeah. Don't, with I not think, only like, my face, but my words. conclusion of this podcast is don't ever be mean to Eugene <laughs> on Twitter because I'm terrified for you. No, but people are generally great. And I think that yeah. we, at least with the Trek Guys, have always fostered uh, this very distinct sense about like openness mm-hmm. that we have a very particularly, um, and wholesome is not the right word. They're just a very kind group well, of I fans. Well, I think for everyone vitriol tweet that you get there's a thousand people that support and love you and the the boys yeah and they're nice to each other which i like i think that can almost become muted in a way when you're constantly flooded with love and people that care about you and support you it it almost makes the one thing that's gross stick out so much more because it's easier to take the love it you almost become like a little numb to it not to say that like we're not grateful for our fans and yada 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 but like you do that becomes normal. It's like people follow you because they like you. So you are used to th- seeing positive comments in your life. Whereas like when something pops up, it's like, what, what the fuck is that? Like I'm going to take it so much more because someone took their time out of their day to to find me and call me out. And the point is don't follow me if you don't like me. I can't <laughs> I can't take the nah, you can take I it. can take the negativity. I'm a very sensitive little small being in the inside. Well, you know, I think everyone is. I mean, I will. the angry screaming comes from a place of sensitivity, mm. but like not the healthy sensitivity. That's why I cry when I'm mad. Yeah. Damn. You know what it is? I This is something that uh, my dad always told me. You, um, Everyone has the right to be sensitive, but not Aww. everyone can can be sensible. Whoa. So use your sensitivity sensibly. Whoa. Right? Yo, I think that just fixed a lot of things wrong with me. <laughs> and sensitivity is a powerful tool. It's yeah. powerful for artists. It's powerful for mm-hmm. anyone who has to like, um, engage with others, mm-hmm. but we can't peddle sensitivity like it's a drug. Whoa. Your sensibility is what people need more of, which mm. is this idea of what and when and how should I showcase my sensitive nature. And in that way, I think people will actually connect yeah. more because once you start weaponizing sensitivity, then oh, it becomes this yeah. idea that everyone is a quote unquote snowflake. Mm-hmm. And then we have the liberals yelling at the Republicans about the snowflake and the old people yelling at the young people, and the young people yelling at the old people. And it becomes this whole thing where I'm just like, yeah. none of, and in the end, it's like, you didn't even have to speak in the first place because in the end, nothing is resolved. We're all going to die. You have to look at yourself and say, well, you know, Carl said I was wrong. And he pointed this out. I do see that. Maybe we could talk about that more. And I'll Damn. figure out why I could be wrong. And maybe in the end, maybe I don't think I'm wrong, but we'll figure it out. But now it's literally like, if you told me I'm wrong, I would just be like, now, oh, of course, bizarre world. I'm right. Yeah. Thank you. Of That's course like I'm right. That's like the story of being a white woman. If more white women could listen to that, think about why you're wrong rather than being just upset and sensitive, we could stop a lot of wars. But you can drink wine whenever you want. I'm all about the wines. <laughs> I'm all about the winos. Eugene, you've been the best. Don't tell the other boys I said that. <laughs> well, uh, I aren't you aren't you, you airing my aren't you airing my podcast first? Yeah, there you go. So well, you can't proceed. Never the other mind guys podcast the future. With that. Yeah, I haven't even filmed with them, so um, how would I know? Uh, where can people follow you? If they don't already, because why? I don't want to fucking say that. Do people say that? You have to plug your whatever. You can plug something like else. You want to plug Lucy Lou? Um. I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Go follow Lucy Lou on Twitter. Was that a sexual innuendo or both? Uh, okay, now Lucy Lou. So I um, once was on something very voluntarily and very lovely, and I spent two hours just like ranting to like an audience of strangers about how Lucy Lou is so unappreciated, underappreciated in what she did for the Asian American community. I feel like she's coming back. Like she's getting her. Well, she second presented the win. Golden Globes for right. Crazy Rotations because they people were like, you know what, Lucy Lou was like one of our only oh, Asians, geez. but she was in that Legacy. weird '90s 2000s yeah. period where she, it was just people her. didn't have DVR yet, but 
Yeah, I fucking love Lucy Lou. Okay, so go follow Lucy Lou for me. Go follow Lucy Lou for me, yeah. Um, I love you. I love your intelligence. I think you're brilliant. I wish you would kiss me one day, but um Well, well but no, you're looking for a a throuple with a girl. Yeah. So not this time. Maybe next year. Thanks, (laughs) Eugene. Thank you, Kelsey. Everyone rate this five stars if you want to. If not, what are you doing here? Write a review. Thumbs up this. Be kinder to your comments. If you subscribe, Mm -hmm. I'll suck your dick. Perfect. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.